Welcome to the Eventful Entrepreneur. My name's Dodge. I've been an entrepreneur for over 30 years and thrown thousands of parties across the UK. And I'm also the owner of the Bournemouth Sevens Festival. Everyone who knows me knows I love people, having a laugh <laughs> and asking lots of questions. So I've been chatting to people with one thing in common. They've all lived eventful lives. Hello and welcome to a special episode of the Eventful Entrepreneur podcast. Today we're talking about the very welcome return of festivals to the UK and more specifically the first former sevens in over two years. I'm producer Dan and I'm here with the eventful entrepreneur himself, Mr. Dodge Woodall. How are you, Dodge? Very good, mate. Really, really nice to be here right now, I can't tell you. How good does that sound, by the way? Oh my God, 27 <laughs> months since I last threw a party. Wow. It's craziness, isn't wow, it? Wow, wow, wow. It's, uh, it's been a crazy couple of years, Dan, but the festival site is nearly built. That's it. Just two days to go, as I said in the intro. Uh, for the first Bournemouth Sevens in over two years, the longest period in your life where you haven't thrown a big party. How surreal has that been? You only realise how lucky you are when something's been taken away from you, mm. you know, and it has been taken away from me and I just love bringing people together. I love throwing a party, as you know. Um, I love seeing people's smiles on people's faces. I love seeing people in the field dancing and being happy, you know, and um, yeah, it's been, it's been quite weird, but it's allowed me to plan a lot. Mm. Yeah, I know that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think everyone in the yeah. office here knows, you know. So it's, it's, it's allowed me to really open my mind even more and be even more creative. Mm. Now, obviously, we've spoken quite a lot of detail in previous episodes about how Bournemouth Sevens was built and your, your kind of 20-year journey into events and, and putting on parties every weekend and then the festival becoming as big as it is. So a lot of people out there will know how much it means to you. And we haven't spoken too openly about how much it affected you when it was cancelled. Mm. How did that affect you? Well, it was a shock at first. You know, when Boris spoke in March 2020 and said there's a pandemic coming, that was a shock. Um, didn't really know what pandemic was or COVID or Corona. And um, so we had to move our festival from May. We had to move it to August last year in 2020. And that gave us a lifeline. And I was just determined that this was going to go away and it wasn't really a part of what's going to happen in the Great Britain. And I just had this positive attitude that we'll be fine, we'll be fine, we'll be fine. And when we moved to August, we were planning, you know, it takes a lot to move something, a festival from May bank holiday to August bank holiday. Um, there's a lot of hoops to jump through with the police and council and the, uh, and the venue who you rent off uh, for the weekend. And then obviously all your customers who have bought tickets. And then to be told, in the July that your festival was not happening, that to be honest with you, it was like it's kind of heartbreaking. Mm. You know, like I've said before, Dan, I've been working four thousand plus days non-stop thinking about this. Even your subconscious mind, right? When you're there and I'm chatting to people, and I'm aware of my subconscious mind, and my subconscious mind is talking to me, going, um, "How's the festival going? How many people are you going to get? What entertainment are you going to do? What's it going to look like? How many?" It's constant. Mm. It's constant for me. So um, yeah, I had to. It was a reality check of right, God, you've lost your festival. You know, then you have to look at all your finances and realise how much money you've lost as well. And we lost a lot, a lot of money. Mm. Everyone in the events world did. But I made a point down of saying to my team, we're going to all stick together and get through this. Roll on 12 months from when we got told or 14 months or whatever it is now. We're here today. I'm going to be opening our doors in two days time. So that spring in my step is like, you know, when we're building the festival site down, I'm going around. I've got a huge spring in my step going. Oh my God, we're going to add this to the festival. Oh my God, the customers who haven't been for a couple of years or three years are going to see this. They're going to experience this. They're going to get this feeling when they arrive. And 
that to me is golden and, and to think there's probably like 21 year olds out there that haven't had an opportunity to experience Bournemouth sevens uh from, from their 18th birthday onwards yeah. it, it's it's madness yeah. um obviously the pandemic uh, itself hit the events industry as a whole extremely hard what challenges has that presented in the build-up to the event in creating the event this year oh wow where do i start well we're now end of August, coming into August bank holiday weekend, we're about to open our doors to the 14th year. It was only 40 days ago, Dan, when Boris spoke and said, Bournemouth Sevens Festival can happen. We didn't say those words, Bournemouth Sevens would be nice, wouldn't it? He might as well add. He might as well add, yeah, in my mind. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I haven't watched the news in 15 months, but I did listen to that one when he spoke and it was like, oh my God, we're on. So we've had 40, roughly 40 days. You know, you don't just put on a festival and expect people to turn up and that's it. We've roughly had 40 days to find 800 staff, 200 bar staff, 200 security, 100 referees, 100 uh, umpires, all the catering, all the volunteers, all the police, everything that just goes with putting on a festival of this magnitude. Um, and it's been a challenge. Hmm. I'm not lying, not lying to you, Dan. It has been a challenge, but we're all problem solvers here. We've got a wonderfully strong team here at HQ. There's only a small team of seven of us, as you well know. But we have 800 staff on the weekend, you know. Um, yeah, the challenge has been big because normally, for example, as a promoter, event owner or festival owner, whatever you want to call it, you normally go to one security firm and that security supply all your 200 security. Because of Brexit and because of people haven't worked for over a year and what have you, those security aren't there. So we're now having to use four sets of security from different parts, bringing their men in, 50 men there, 50 men there, 100 men there, you know, 70 men there, bringing them all in and making that all work under one hat. That's gonna be a challenge this mm. weekend. It's gonna be a challenge. That's the first thing. The second thing is, is that we normally get 100 of our 200 staff from Bournemouth University who have been working at their students union and working on their bars all year. So they've become a really tight team. Then, then we pick them up and put them on, onto the festival site. University students haven't been here, Dan, as we know. So that's been a challenge to go, right, who wants to work behind the bars? We're looking for people to pour pints and serve people drinks. That's become a big challenge. Mm. But again, we're getting through that. We've got through that. We've got 200 plus bar staff turning up. You know, some of them haven't worked behind the bar before. You know, majority have, some of them haven't. So all I'm asking for is people at the festival to have respect to our bar staff and our security. You've got to remember that no one's worked in 12, 14 months. This is all new. When you're at the other end of the bar, just be happy that we've got the festival open mm. and be happy that the people behind the bar are working their nuts off to try to serve you as quick as they can. They might be a little bit slow because they're still learning the ropes because you're bringing people from different parts into a festival arena, into a festival bars. We've got 12, 14 different bars. And expecting people to just to get it like that mm. it's going to take time definitely yeah I, I see that in other places that i've visited since things have opened up um, everyone would have seen on the news about staff shortages in all yeah. kinds of uh, different industries um, but it's uh, certainly in, in bar work and and in, in the uh, leisure industry uh, you see it a lot so there was no avoiding the fact that it was always going to happen but i think we, we numbers wise uh, we're basically there yeah we're we? there mate yeah. we're there and you know what's interesting with security is because there's no pubs clubs and everything else been open for over a year security have to have a badge called the sia badge and you have to renew that each year well a high percentage of people didn't renew because they've got to pay for a renewal and, and they're saying well there's no work out there all of a sudden there's now work yeah. so everyone's scrambling around to get all the security but 
because we've all moved our festivals to the August bank holiday weekend, there's more festivals on that weekend yeah. than there ever has been in the life of festivals. It's a crowded weekend. <laughs> it's a it? crowded <laughs> weekend, but you know, we do what we can. We do everything we can to make this work. And we have, and we've been so laser focused in the last 15, 16 months to say, right, when we get the go ahead for this festival, we're on. Mm. And we're determined that we're on. We've had, you know, the, the beauty of it is we're coming to our year 14. Our relationships have been key mm. to our success over the years with uh, toilets, with showers, with fencing, with DJs, with bands, with agents. You know, we've, the list goes on and on because we've built these wonderful relationships and we've kept them, kept everyone happy. You know, everyone's been on board with us and taken us to the next level, all working together. And now we're reaping the rewards for it. What about when it comes to supplies and things like that? Obviously, a lot of us, a lot of the uh, companies that we work with, we've got on, uh, ongoing relationships, as, as you've mentioned. What about getting hold of new supplies and things like that? Have you found that prices have risen because of uh, the, the, the massive demand that there is, specifically on the weekend that we, yeah. we're, we're taking place, but also because of the amount of businesses that unfortunately didn't survive the pandemic? Is there a lot of high demand, high prices? Yeah, that's gone on. That's yeah. gone on. But... Due to our relationships, people have been reasonable. Good. We've been good to them. You know, we've had long-term relationships. That's all it's about. Business is about keeping it simple and building up long-term relationships. And that's what we've done over the years. And that's why we're in a great position we are today. And the festival site takes two weeks to build. You know, imagine if you didn't have a, a marquee company or you didn't have the guy bringing in the big top dance tents or you didn't have all the container units coming in because they're used at other festivals. You know, it's... Um, We've been lucky, mm. but we've created our own luck, Dan. Yeah. You know? We were prepared. Uh, I think we've prepared as much as we could, yes. not knowing if it was going ahead or yeah. not. And as soon as we got the green light, it was like all systems go. Yeah. And uh, did you, But did you feel with that s small window, we've talked about pressure a lot in the, in previous episodes. Pressure, not stress. Pressure. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and, and you've experienced your own kind of uh, periods of pressure in the past, specifically starting Bournemouth Sevens. Mm. How does that compare to the pressure you felt this year kind of in that specific window of knowing Bournemouth Sevens is going ahead? Is it very, two, two very different pressures. Yeah. 2008, as we've spoken about before on one of the episodes, was I put my house on the line. Me and my wife put the house on the line. That was pressure that I would never ever in a million years advise anyone to do, and I will certainly never be doing that ever again. But I was young and ballsy. Now, 14 years on, the pressures of not having a festival for 27 months. The pressures of having full-time staff and making sure that they're still be, have, getting paid and ma making sure they're still on board with us and we're all on this journey together. Uh, the pressures of no income, the pressures of myself and my wife not being on furlough and not earning anything from furlough because we're directors and we take dividends rather than salaries. So there's all these things that are built up. But I've loved it. Mm in a really weird way Dan I can't tell you I've loved it in a weird way because it's a challenge it's got that my got that entrepreneur spirit back again when you started with nothing and now it's bring it on that hunger that desire the willingness the the, the, the late nights the early mornings thinking about it and as soon as we get the go ahead what we're we gonna do and that's all happened in the last 40 days but I cannot tell you how amazing Craig and Paul and Matt and yourself and the team have been in this period, Dan. Everyone has been working full tilt in their minds to say, well, when we get the trigger to go ahead, we're going ahead. And that's what's happened in a very short... I don't know anyone who could put on a 
you know, prior to pandemic, there's not many people who can put on a festival within 40 days notice. No. That's, you know, with 30,000 people turning up through, coming through your doors. There for three days partying in a field with 12 festival arenas, with different, every genre of music and different celebrities and TV crews. And it just goes on and on. The magnitude of what we created over the years, it's been a, mate, I'm buzzing if I'm yeah. you. I think it's what the best events teams out there do is is, is obviously react to different situations. So yeah. when we know it, it's go time, what needs doing, yeah. organization, hard work and determination yeah. has, has, has paid off so far we've got yeah. two days to go obviously and absolutely. that's a lot of still still a lot of hard work to do absolutely uh, but we're nearly there yeah like i said we're set to open the doors in just two days it's crazy to say that for those who've never been to a bournemouth sevens mm. what can you expect from a bournemouth sevens festival wow I'm not just saying this because we own it but i truly believe there is not a better atmosphere and vibe and buzz than any other festival you'll go to like-minded people in a field Dan partying fancy dress drinking having a laugh listening to all the music you want to hear meeting new people meeting new friends for life from different parts of the UK all come in for the weekend in a really safe environment it's, it is magical mm. I think this year might even up the game in, in terms of atmosphere because people talk about the Bournemouth Sevens atmosphere being pretty unique in terms of festivals this this is going to be a lot of people's first festival. This is going to be a lot of people's first festival in like two or three years. Yeah, that's got to increase the atmosphere even more, surely. Yeah, I think it will. I think it will. I've thrown one thousand five hundred parties in clubs, as you know, Dan, all around the UK, and uh, all the major cities for ten years. And then for this last fourteen years, I've just solely just homed in on this festival. I truly believe the atmosphere at this festival might outdo anything I've ever seen in my life. We're all excited to see it. Yeah. <laughs> so what's new for 2021 then? Other than obviously the atmosphere that's going to be another level. Talk to me about new arenas, sports and activations and things like that. What can people expect in that regard? Yeah, well, it's actually a very big year because we've we've picked up the campsite and moved the campsite even closer to the main arena. Mm. So the campers and the glampers there have got yards to walk to the main big beer tents, to the VIP tents, the VVIP tents. And it's just a great move for everyone. And then what we've done, we picked up all the rugby pitches, the seven or eight rugby pitches, and moved them all next to the netball courts. So all the sport is compact. All the men and all the boys and girls are all playing, all the men and women are all playing together in one area. Um, and we've extended and made the VVIP bigger. We've added more entertainment. We've, we've brought in new, new marquees and new tents and, and headline acts like we announced, you know. And our business model, Dan, is, is, has been I never wanted to be that business model of a festival where you go, right, I'm spending a million pound on a lineup, and now I've got to sell 20,000 tickets to break even before anything else, before even putting the production into, into, the, into the equation, which might be another 500 grand or a million quid. We've built this business on how we can create an unbelievable experience for the customer, and how we can create it being, um, and how we can create huge value for money. And we've ticked all those boxes over the years. And what we've done over this last four years now is, well, we've been sold out for the last eight years, as you know, on the trot. But these last four years, what we've done is when we sell out in the, in the weeks leading up to our festival, we then put a headline act in mm -hmm. as a cherry on the top. So people aren't waiting to buy the tickets to see who's DJ and what bands are playing. They're buying the ticket because they love the festival. And then once they bought the ticket, then we're dropping a headline and we go, thank you ever so much. Here's the cherry on the top for you guys. 
I think that also helps protect that atmosphere because you're getting the same people that love the festival coming in each year. You're getting that sporty crowd and the local crowd all love Bournemouth Sevens and they're coming regardless of who is performing. And then when you give them, as you say, that cherry on the top, yeah. it's just appreciation, isn't it? <sighs> the, the love we got last week, for example, when we announced Ella Rare. Oh, oh, the love we got when we announced Ella Rare was was outrageous. You know, across all socials, this is like people were just... Like I was saying, it was just a it was just a nice gift to land on people's laps where they weren't expecting, mm. and that's always nice in anything in life, you know. So um, yeah, it's been a delight. I can't wait to uh, I can't wait to see her live because I've heard amazing stuff mm. about Ella Rare. Yeah, I'm and you know what I really like about it, Dan, is that we've chosen a female British artist to be our headliner. Now, in the events industry over the past two years, there's been huge amount of complaints and huge amount of maybe a little bit unrest of where are the female artists because it's 95% male heavy. Well, again, we're back in the female artist, Dan, and she's British. And I'm super proud of that, that we can say that we've put our headliner as female, British, and she's going to get the place rocking. Oh, yeah. Yeah, so when you go through her uh, playlist, we were doing it on Spotify in yeah. the office the other day, you're like, oh, this is perfect for yes. Bournemouth Sevens. Yeah, there's a banger. Yeah. That's another banger. Yeah. And she just fits our bill beautifully. She does. She does indeed. What are you most looking forward to? It can be a moment. It can be seeing something happen. It can be the end. It can be the start, whatever. What are you looking forward to? Do I know exactly what I'm looking forward to. <laughs> opening the doors yeah. to 2021 festival i suspected that might be the answer <laughs> yeah just opening those doors on friday and seeing all the people queuing up to come into the festival all the campers and all the glampers and seeing the smiles on their face of excitement if they've never been before they've been told by all their friends there's squads of 30 and 40 of them rugby netball hockey dodgeball volleyball players all coming down on the friday and then on the saturday i throw a big party on the fridays you know and then the saturday all general public come in and that feeling for me when I because they clock who you are and you I chat to as many people as I possibly can and say hi and where they come from in the country da, da. but that feeling of people's smiles on people's faces without without them knowing that you're having a, you're looking you're seeing people with a massive smile on their face knowing that they're walking into like the uh, Disneyland for adults that's exactly yeah. you know so it's um, and then for me personally it's making sure that the entertainment is bang on, making sure the music is bang on, making the security is bang on, making sure that the police are happy, making sure the CCTV, CCTV is operating well all around the whole site and making sure that that vibe, that buzz is back, that Bournemouth Sevens buzz. And I know exactly what that feels like, tastes like. I can touch it, I can smell it. And that's what I'm really, really looking forward to. And you know the third one is the Sunday night. The most difficult day for me is the Saturday because people are super excited mm -hmm. when you wake up the Sunday and you open your curtains well, you know I go to bed at three wake up at seven you open your curtains and it's sunshine or it's not raining or whatever it is you're like oh my god thank you Lord right here we go we've got another day and that feeling of late Sunday night where people have just had the time of their lives they've lost their voices they're dancing they're, they know it's all coming to an end and when we close the doors at 1am on Monday morning and everyone's left safe. And we all go back into the main clubhouse where the, where the police are and all the security. We all meet together and know there's a brilliant festival weekend. That feeling and knowing it's done 
I'm really looking forward to that as well. So those bookends, opening the doors and closing the doors, yeah. uh, great feelings. And seeing those people's faces. Mm. So this year's a bit different, Dodge, uh, once we open the doors. Uh, what do people need to know before rocking up this year? Well, due to COVID and all the protocols, Dan, people, I'm advising people to arrive before two o'clock. If you arrive after two o'clock, I think the queues are going to be enormous. I know what the queues are like normally after four o'clock. They're ridiculous. There's no point. There's no point sitting in a queue for two hours. So the police and myself and our team are advising everyone, get there before two, get into the festival and just relax and chill. Go to the bar, have a bit of a, have a couple of beers and just relax. What's the point of standing in a queue for a couple of hours? Mm. There's no point. Don't think, oh, we can have a few pre-drinks in someone's house and we'll rock up at five o'clock. Because of the COVID protocols, it's going to slow everything down. Mm. Just get yourself into the festival. That's my main bit of advice. And another bit of advice would be because it's a August bank holiday weekend. If you're thinking about travelling down on the Saturday from somewhere, I would set off two hours earlier because I know exactly what the M3 looks like. I know what the A338 looks like coming into Bournemouth. It will be gridlock. Yeah, we've had so many people turning up and hitting the peak queues because they uh, they mistimed their travel. Yeah. We have it every year. It's gridlock. Mm. And August gridlock is the busiest weekend in the country in Bournemouth. Mm. That's where everyone seems to come. The weekend is chocker, chocker block getting into Bournemouth on the Friday. So just set off early and make your life easy. And as we've mentioned, there's events going on all over the country at the moment yeah. because of this bank holiday being yeah. the first opportunity. Um, so traffic is going to be everywhere, wherever yeah. you live. Yeah, the police are putting out all warnings saying, please set off. If you're setting off at 7 o'clock in the morning coming from somewhere, set off at 5 a.m. If you're thinking of coming to the festival at 3 o'clock or 4 o'clock, get in there before 2 o'clock. Mm. There's just no point of sitting there in a, in a, in a chock-a-block queue. Uh, just in case uh, you need to know any more information about the COVID protocols, uh, we've got uh, a full web page for that. It's under bournemouth7s.com forward slash COVID info, and that'll tell you everything you need to do beforehand and what to expect when you get here. Uh, but definitely it will affect queuing. Uh, I was looking at some 2019 stats earlier, Dodge, uh, to see where the peaks were. And from three o'clock, it was total madness in regards to people turning up. So it's going to be this year, you want to get there before two and, and, and make sure that uh, you'll get <laughs> missing that because uh, yeah, I think it's going to be quite a, a big crowd coming. Oh, definitely. It's a huge crowd coming. And what I'm saying there, Dan, is I looked at the CCTV cameras in 2019, like last week, and I looked at what it looked like at three o'clock. The queues were mega. Mm. And that's in 2019. That's without yeah. COVID testing. Just get there before two o'clock. Yeah, agree. What tickets looking like this year? I know we're sold out, but what does that actually mean? Oh, I have never seen tickets sell like this in my life. Not just myself, other event owners, my other friends who are festival owners. When Boris spoke... Tickets just flew, you know, on Ticketmaster, across Eventbrite, across everything. Every event is sold out, mm. you know, and we've never experienced this before. And what I've got to say is I need to say a huge thank you to people from 2020 who rolled their ticket over to 2021. I really do thank every single one of them. 80% of people rolled over, Dan. Mm. Big with teams as well. Huge with teams. We've got 400 competing teams. Okay, there's a, there's probably... You know, two handfuls of teams that aren't flying in from Dubai, Hong Kong, Australia, New Zealand or France this year because of the restrictions. But what it's meant is that everyone, more teams in the UK have gone, right, we're going down to Bournemouth. We're having a, we're having a proper jolly down in Bournemouth for the weekend and getting away from kids, wives, husbands, family, whatever it is. I want to be back with my boys. I want to be back with my girls again, going on tour. So 
yeah, it's it's nice to be able to uh, get this on and get people together again. We're going to be having another chat next week. I don't know if I've told you this yet, uh, but we're going to have kind of a post-festival debrief episode yeah. where we're going to have a nice chat. And, uh, you know, you can let us know your thoughts about how the weekend went, what your highlights were, um, what improvements you're going to make for next year, as we always discuss each yeah, year. Yeah. Um, what do you hope we'll be talking about? What is the best case scenario in your head right now? Best case scenario is that people had an, probably one of the best weekends of their life which is a bold statement. There's no reason why that can't happen because it's happened for many years before where people are genuinely like, Bournemouth Sevens was the best weekend of my life. I want to get back to that. I want to get back to people going, oh my God, I met Harry Redknapp. Oh my God, I met the England team. Oh my God, do you remember seeing the parachute team coming down on a Sunday? Or, oh my God, uh, Ella Rare was on the main stage and that DJ was over there and that DJ was there and the fancy dress and the vibe. And that's what I'm after. That's what I would love, Dan. Obviously, when you're putting on a live event of this magnitude, you never know what's going to happen, you know? Um, but the most important thing is that people are safe. You know, we've got huge police presence. You know, we want to make sure that we have a really safe party. And when we speak after this festival, if people have left having a brilliant time and they're hungry for next year, I feel like myself and yourself and Craig and Paul and Callie and Matt and the team who have all pulled together to make this work, that will be a huge, huge celebration for us on One, many levels. 100%. I yeah. agree with that totally. Yeah. Before we finish yeah. up, Dodge, uh, where can people get in touch with you and uh, send you some love? Yeah, people can get me on Instagram. Just um, type in Dodge Woodall. You'll find me on there. I've gone, I went public about just under a year ago now. Mm -hmm. um, I've been private all my life. And yeah, people are saying go public and tell your story. So we told our story on the Eventful Entrepreneur podcast and an episode on one and four and a number of other episodes um so yeah get me on there and i reply well I try to reply to as many people as possible good stuff well here's hoping the festival is the fitting comeback event we all hope it will be uh in the meantime dodge good luck with everything and i look forward to our debrief same time same place next week lovely good man Dan. cheers, dodge. cheers mate